Hello and welcome everyone to Advanced Real Estate Investing Talk. I'm here with Glenn and Darcy. As you know, the three of us accumulate close to 40 years experience and the objective of our podcast is to share it with you. And today we will discuss equity. Um, I will go first and, and just share with you that the beauty of real estate investing is that basically the tenant uh, pays down the mortgage and allows for the increase of the equity uh, through that way. And also ideally you want to buy under market value, which means that some equity is built into the deal, which is not always possible, especially in the, the context nowadays where it's quite competitive out there. And and it's also one of the three elements you look at when, when looking at the returns when you before getting into an investment. You have the cash on cash return, which is the money you receive after you pay all the expenses and the mortgage. And then you have the equity on the two forms. One form is mortgage pay down, which I mentioned earlier, and also the appreciation. And um, for example, with multifamily, you can do what we call forced appreciation. As you increase the rents, you increase um, automatically the, the value of the, of the building, increasing the rents and uh, reducing the expenses, of course. And, and that's one of the beauty when you refinance and you pull this equity out of the property. Uh, that's one of the ways that people buy their next deal and get access to cash to fund their next deal is by using refinancing. So this is my take on equity, and uh, why don't we listen to Glenn now? Sure. Um, so, what what would a lot of people look at when they're purchasing, like um, we'll call them residential properties? So you know, single families, even the duplexes and stuff. A lot of times they're they're looking at the ROI, what what the return is, the cash on cash. They're not really into the cap rate and all that stuff, right? What the, basically for these smaller ones, that's what they're looking at is what my ROI is. And what a lot of people forget is that as if you start talking about, because we're talking about equity, as you start talking about equity, as you hold a property for a long period of time or even a year, as it's appreciating, your return on your equity is actually dropping every single year because um, the way you calculate it uh, the return on equity is how much equity, like, you know, if you're doing a return on investment, it's how much money do you make based on how much money you put in, right? But if you're doing return on equity, it's how much equity is in the property. So often that is still includes your purchase price or sorry, your, your down payment that you've put into this property, but it's also going to show that you have a, a chunk of equity uh, as well. And so we've had crazy appreciation in Canada and what a lot of people they're still running their numbers based on ROI. Um, uh, if you're in Ontario, there's rent control. So you're not able to raise your rent at the same rate as what you're paying, like, as some of your expenses are coming up. Um, so it actually will shrink, could shrink your uh, ROI as well. But the way to think about this is, <laughs> as so I'm trying to almost want to do it with an example, but as you as you get more and more equity in the properties, your 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 money that you're actually putting in is going to decrease. Does that make sense to you guys? Like, am I yeah. can I explain this better? Um, yeah. But but as you as you keep putting uh, as it, the property appreciates, you have like 
it's not necessarily your cash. It's equity that's stuck in this property and yeah. you can't use this equity. Right. And at some point you almost want to, you want, you should be doing this uh, calculation in my opinion, every year to uh, figure out what your return on equity is because what happens eventually is you'll have this property that you've paid down the mortgage and everything else. And so you, you think you're doing really well because your ROI is gotten is very well. Right. But yeah. What's actually happened is you have a hundred and fifty thousand dollar property you purchased at. It's now worth two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and technically there's a hundred thousand dollars in there plus what do you put twenty percent down, uh, thirty thousand of your per as your down payment. There's that much equity in it. It's not and you're if you're calculating your ROI based on that thirty thousand dollars, the which would give you your down payment, then you're 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 not thinking about all that equity that's left in that property. Um, yeah. And what a lot of people like to do, or like people who are return on equity investors, is they'll look at the whole thing and they'll go, okay, so my ROI might be, oh yeah, I'm earning a good like 30%. It's a good solid property. But because the property has so much equity in it, it actually could bring your numbers down so that your return on that equity that's sitting in that property is so low that uh, you're actually returning 3% or 2% on that property because there's so much in it. Um, and so the obvious answer, everyone's gonna jump to, they'll go, why not do a refi? Why not do a refi? Because sometimes the property won't cash flow if you refi all that money out. Absolutely. And you're, yeah. and you're completely upside down on this property. Um, and that's not the way to do it, right? Um, I know there's, there's is people who teach doing that still, and then they count the two properties together when calculating the ROI because they're based on one's taken on the other. Honestly, whenever I do that, and because I did do that in my early days, I had a property I did that exact scenario to, and then I'm like, you know, only like cash flows like fifty dollars a month now that I stripped everything out. Yeah, what I wanted what to do. Risk. Yeah, yeah. And what about the risk? Now you're like paper thin below your expenses, yeah. or your expenses are right at your, you know, right at your throat. And so, you know, what I wanted to do, what I did, or wanted to do, is sell that property. I'm like, why am I keeping a property that only cash flows fifty dollars a month? not worth it with the risk. It's not worth it for the cash flow. And then you sell it. Then you're like, why did I do the refi? Doesn't make sense. So do figure the whole picture out ahead of time and figure your ROE out. You know, it's your own calculation, however you want to do it. The way I like to do it is you want to calculate your disposal costs in there, right? So it's going to cost you um, for a realtor to sell it. It's going to cost you for an attorney or a title company to sell that dispose of the property. Um, you're going to pay some taxes. That's a little more complicated to uh, figure out how much tax you're going to pay because it still has to make sense, right? You don't want to be giving all this money to the government. But mm -hmm. what a lot of people do, what I've kind of touched on, is you'll, you'll figure this out. You get your sheet and you'll have your pile of properties and you'll see which ones have really good ROEs and which ones have really bad. And the trick is to sell off the ones with the terrible ROEs, right? You may, they still be giving you an ROI, like I said, in the thirties, you know, ROI looks amazing, but you have too much equity in the property. Sell those ones off, buy something to put at the very top of the list. Sell your bottoms off, add them to the top and you just keep cycling. And so you, your portfolio continues to improve instead of uh, basically gets fat at the bottom with this, this huge amount of equity at the bottom. And that, that's, how, that's how I look at equity. Yeah, I think we're doing the same calculation too. Um, yeah. We call it just dead equity. It's yeah. dead. It's dead to you. It's, um, I was looking when Glenn was talking, trying to find a, a good comparable that everyone would know firsthand. Yeah. 
um, if you're in the GTA or you're in Vancouver, Greater Vancouver area, you know a house is worth two and a half million dollars. You probably bought it for four or five thousand or four or five hundred thousand dollars. And in the market, it's quadrupled. But you can't afford to pay a mortgage on a two and a half million dollar house. You could take that money out and buy a boat, but you can't pay a mortgage of six thousand or seven thousand dollars a month. You just can't. So it's dead to you. You might feel big, you might swagger that your pockets are full, but it's paper full until you sell the house. And the house is good because there's no taxes on it. But if you're in a commercial property, taxes are due and you're gonna be a minimum 25% plus closing fees, realtor fees, legal, all this other stuff, unwrapping your mortgages, all the other business. So it's gonna be 25%. So it's gonna hurt a little, but the problem is that money's lost to you. You can't use it until you can unlock it in some way. So I, I, through a friend of a friend, I got a chance to talk to Bob Dylan, who's the CEO and president founder of um, Main Street Equities. And, you know, I was lucky. I asked about his sword of, of India that he has, the famous sword in his office, um, and got him talking. And what he, I said, what advice do you have? He says, we said, Darcy, all you're doing is you're toggling between debt and equity. And you're constantly doing a calculation between debt and equity. And if you're not churning over some part of your portfolio, to release cash for new investments. It's stagnating. Um, it might feel comfortable to have a loan to value for only 40% or 30%. And if you sleep better that way, that's good. And if you need that, that's awesome. And if you're happy with the cash flow, but we have properties that have ROIs that are infinite. All of our money's out. There's no money in it. It's all bank financing. Our, our money's will come out. We've taken and spent them on others, but they can still remain uh, potentially marginal prospects of ones where you're worried month to month where you can cover all your expenses and make even modest cash flow. They're great properties. They look fantastic. Uh, our tenants love them. They're efficient. They use very little water and all these other things. They don't make much cash. Our cash was taken out. Um, so when you, sorry to cut you off, when you, yeah. when you cash your, your people out, uh, they're still part of the deal though, right? They are. Yep. They're still in. So the return on investment is now looking at infinite because the numerator mm -hmm. is such a tiny number. It's zero. And you're dividing whatever cash, even to get $2 out of it, $2 divided into zero is an incalculable number, but you can't live on two bucks. So that idea that, that, that we've talked about that equity, you have to keep looking at it and going, is it worth it? And I thought we were going to be a buy and hold forever company. We would buy these properties. These would be generational properties. And every year we'd improve them and make them better and better. But at some point we realized this, this equity is lost to us. It's dead to us. I have to unlock it through a, a sale. Um, just refinancing is enough. At that point, they have to look at why would you sell? How would that look? And go through that process and revitalize it. Or just be satisfied with what you're getting. Um, I'm not quite satisfied. There <laughs> <laughs> uh, lies the conflict, right? Yeah. Oh, that, does that make any kind of sense? Is that kind of clear? No? Uh, yeah. 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 So yeah, think of the cattle rancher who has like a quarter section or three quarters, so 720,000 acres, and it's just running cows on him, and it's, the land's worth a ton, but he's still driving a 10-year-old Ford F-150, living in a small house and worrying about how he's going to send his kids to school. If he sells the land. He's, he's retired, but he's also doesn't have a job and he's paid a bunch of taxes. Same kind of deal, I think. That's a great analogy. <laughs> it's a great analogy to look at. And there's uh, what a lot of people, I, I hear this all the time. Most people are like, well, I don't have uh, I don't have the money to do another investment, but I'm like, do you own real estate at all in Canada? 
because there's equity in them. <laughs> Everything has appreciated. That pretty much it doesn't matter what you bought. <laughs> yeah. 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 Basically, when you have this debt equity, then the, the, the way out, the, the way to cash it is to sell. Yes, you can refi if the deal still makes sense, right? Yeah. Like it, it, you could refi, um, I, you could take a home equity line of credit on it if they'll let you do it on an investment property, which you know, sometimes they will, sometimes they won't. Sometimes you have to get a different let a third party lender or something, not one of the big banks. But um, yeah, there is other ways to get out. You could borrow and use that as collateral, but you know, you really should find something to use this money for because it doesn't earn you anything. You're getting a big zero on, on that yeah. money. I mean, what's what's the classic book on this? This is Robert Kiyosaki's book. Your house is your house is a home. It's also a line of credit. Um, and if you have a ton of equity in your house, it's not like you can eat your porch. What's it doing for you? You know, um, his his first book is is kind of a gold standard for me, at least of opening your eyes to what's possible with with debt and equity and changes the way you think about it. I was trained to debt, all debt is bad, pay off everything, live cash, live just on cash. Um, uh, you know, that's not super sophisticated. It's maybe a good idea if you have no self-discipline or are in trouble, but it's not efficient. But at the same time, some of that is like good gameplay because um, there've been a lot of discussion lately with some of my other investor friends and they're talking about, oh, leaving your job, uh, you know, leave your job to go do this real estate full time. But the problem is, is that we've, uh, we've all, we almost do this as a whole different show, but what happens is, you know, give me an example of someone who's left their job, who has wife, kids, house, all the stuff, right? Because we, <laughs> if you were to do this when you're a 20 something and leave your job, it, it, the requirement, you know, the amount of cash required, um, it's very thing and you could build your lifestyle as the cash flow grows. But uh, people who have done it like oh, a lot of us, we, uh, we've went the opposite way. We've built up these lots of expenses, um, which, you know, maybe it would have been better to save up the money to buy my car or SUV cash rather than doing this because what happens is now to leave your job the hurdle is so big like I, people contact me i need ten thousand a month i need twenty thousand a month it's crazy numbers which it's way harder to get that level of cash flow and it's so much easier if you're a student you still you just finished college you're living at home you're like yeah i really need money to go out and have drinks and food and i have free housing so i could probably do this full time right from the start and then I can, I'll, I'll, as I grow my cash flow, then I'll buy a house and I can grow with the, with the money, right? But yeah. it's, it's so much harder to do it the opposite way. <laughs> no, and if you don't have any equity, like for most people, their first purchase is on the back of their homeowner line of credit. You've, so that's why it's so harder for young people, unless they're borrowing from a rich uncle. It's, it's a, you know, you got to find a way to get the cash. And for most, all of us, like all three of us, it was the equity in our house. Uh, we turned... You know, for me, I turned the equity in my house into three uh, townhomes and a, or three condos and a pre-sale townhouse. And I waited 14 months for the market to move, sold them, paid off at my house and did it again. And then bought 17 units and then did it again. I mean, from the first podcast, the first one was a, a, my tax return. Three years of taxes keep coming back. That was bad play. But still, still. after that, it was, uh, it was the equity in my house. So... I don't know how, how you could do it otherwise. 
got to find a way to make money, uh, patentable idea, uh, intellectual property, lottery. <laughs> Freight by Amazon. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Shipping. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Invent a new drug. I don't know. But <laughs> however you got that first one, most of us did it with a, with a home equity line of credit. Uh, leveraged everything we own, put it on the line, and then paid it off and then just kept moving. So the early ones, those condos and that townhome, I sold the condos in two, just over two years in the townhome after 14 months after I had completed the um, uh, requirements of the sale. I couldn't sell it in 14 months after the purchase. Otherwise, the, the um, developer got a chunk back. They were trying to stop speculation. So I waited out my time and sold them. I mean, that's everyone else's story, isn't it? <laughs> you're, 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 you're preaching my language exactly. Like, I, <laughs> Can I get I, an amen? Yeah, I, I, I tried that before too. I'm like, I, I saw like two years ago, I'm like, this housing market's going to go way up here. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to do some spec homes. I'm going to, it's not my play. I'm usually like a cash flow investor, but I'm like, you know what? They're selling these houses like for 50 or 100,000 cheaper than what they sell for now. And I anticipate it to even go up farther. So maybe I should buy, I went in. They would not allow any assignment clauses, nothing in those documents to buy a new build from the builder. Because <laughs> I was yeah. like, you know what? I could just buy this, put in the deposit of 20 grand and then just wait them a year and a half, two years and like probably probably make a hundred grand, 200 grand even. <laughs> it is. Yeah, there was a line about the door to the show home to the realtors. Uh, I think on that Saturday yeah. that they opened, I stood in line for almost 40 minutes to put my $22,000 down, wait till they finished it, hold it for 14 months. I rented it to, to a uh, interior designer who staged homes for realtors. It was immaculate and gorgeous. It was, the, it was unbelievable. I felt so proud owning that place. And when she gave her notice, I uh, listed it. And I said, may I show the place while you have it? She said, but of course, that's what I do. <laughs> it was the easiest transaction sale ever and she's a pro it's a shake hands at the end she moved her beautiful furniture out and the new people moved in and it was beautiful <laughs> Loved it. that's awesome yeah that's a good story that's the easiest maybe thing i've ever done i boy i wish i could repeat that catch that in a in a jar or some special cream and do it over and over again but that's a repair thing um, okay well, right. you can bring us home, Maury. Yeah, uh, just by saying that the, hopefully people uh, enjoyed this episode about equity and uh, how we, uh, we've gone through uh, what dead equity is and uh, what to do about it and uh, to, to, yeah, how you, you can have money uh, sitting and uh, how you can put it to work uh, instead of uh, it uh, lying, lying around. So hopefully you enjoyed the show and uh, we will see you next week. Yeah. Bye. Bye, everybody.